Welcome to Wake Up with Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, your source for helpful information, advice, and tips to live your life in a mindful way in this increasingly chaotic world. For over four decades, Dr. Douglas has been teaching people how to develop their intuition and live their lives in a conscious way. His news and views of the world tomorrow today are always informative and revealing. To learn more about Dr. Douglas, be sure to visit his website, douglasjamescottrell.com, where you can download self-help exercises you can do right in the comfort of your own home. And now here's your host, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell. Welcome, everyone. Today, I have an amazing guest who is going to talk about her uh, very unusual gift, but very important to all of us. All of us who, uh, who love pets, I'm a dog person myself. I know many of us are cat people, and I've also had horses, and I lived in the country for a little bit back in the day when I moved out of the city. And uh, I, there's an amazing uh, synergy we have with animals. And today's guest, Karen Anderson, is going to uh, tell us all about her amazing uh, discovery of this really unique and wonderful ability to be able to communicate with animals and have them communicate with us and much, much more. Uh, Karen's background has, like all of us, started off humbly. She, uh, when was a young person, she had some experiences. She grew up and became a police officer, number one in her class. Uh, she had her own business and she's written several books. That, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But first, welcome to the show, Karen. It's great to have you here today. Thank you for being our guest. And thank you so much, Douglas. This is just such a joy, and I'm excited to share some of my stories with you. Well, our audience is, you know, we we explore the human consciousness, and we and we attempt to expand and and understand what that is. Nobody really knows, but we have people like yourself who have unique abilities tapping into that consciousness. I alluded to the idea when I read your bio and uh, and your press kit that you were a child. And you had these uh, amazing abilities to communicate with animals or to know things, so I can just leave it open to that. Tell us about those times. And of course, many of us who are intuitive have had those cringe moments where we say something to an adult and they tell us, that's not right, don't do that. Or maybe they even give us a little encouragement with the back of their head (laughs) back in my day. But anyway, tell us about that time. What are your memories of those times as a child? Well, my very first memories is far back. My very, very first experience was understanding our family pets and just knowing what they needed or knowing what they were telling me, you know, very simplistic um, topics, you know, nothing on the level that I would do today, of course, but that of a five or six-year-old child, you know, what the animal likes, what they dislike, just very simple things like that. But I thought everybody had this ability because I grew up on Disney films. All the animals talk, or they did back in the 60s. (laughs) All the animals could talk. So it never occurred to me as a very young child that in real life, animals wouldn't have that ability. So it wasn't until I started sharing information that there's no way I could have known with my parents that I felt immediate um, shame or I was doing something wrong or stop it or made them very uncomfortable. I just learned very quickly that it was not okay and uh, I shouldn't tell them what I was doing. So I just kept it a a secret. Well, I find that's amazing. I remember, what was it, Jimmy McCricket or something? Jimmy, you know, the the conscious guy. I remember uh, Pinocchio. I remember Donald Duck and Porky Pig talking Bugs Bunny, you know. And uh, I could just see when you said that, that you were a child and you're seeing these animals communicating and you are actually doing that as a child you knew when they wanted something they wanted some water to be let out you just knew things you didn't think it that it would be a natural connection that is an amazing revelation i i would never have put that together but you live that moment and of course when you tell your parents you know the kitty cat's not well it's it's got something a furball or or whatever it would be right 
your parents will look at you like, you know, ooh, witchcraft, what's going on here? You know, you're scared the heck out of them, maybe. I don't know. But how, as you said, you, you went within, right? You learned not to uh, to communicate or actually uh, describe what was happening. But you still kept up your communications with the animals. I did. And because I loved animals so much, I wasn't uh, so much into um, human friends. I was more into animal friends and I was a rescuer. I would rescue every animal that needed help or was astray or was hurt. And that was my life. So it was all about the animals as far back as I can remember and just being able to know what they needed and what they wanted and, and keeping that from everyone else, just, you know, kept it to myself. And then just like anything else in childhood, it just kind of went away after a while. I wasn't uh, tapping in or, you know, paying attention, I guess, as much just growing up and and life happened. Yeah, living your life. So tell us a little bit about your background. I I find that, you know, uh, uh, people on a spiritual path have these times in their life where we call them difficult times or wake up times, if you will. And you had a business Yes. Well, I used to be in the mortgage industry and uh, I really never liked it very much. It was very hard. You know, it was feast or famine. When things were good, it was really good. But when things were bad and interest rates were high, it was really bad. And um, I felt a sense of uh, fish out of water that I didn't quite belong. I was definitely not feeling that this was my passion or what I wanted to do. And then I had a situation arise where uh, my business partner was embezzling from the company. And oh I, I found it by chance. He was um, on vacation <laughs> at the time. So I had to dip into the uh, accounting and discovered uh, his transactions that said one thing in the computer, but said something else on the actual checks. That must so, have been devastating, just like the rug got pulled out from underneath you, all that trust and it's mm-hmm. gone. Wow. Yeah, Especially he was a he, like he was yeah. a friend. You know, we were we were close. So this was like such a betrayal. And it, it was at that moment where I realized that I was getting a lot of um nudges from some unseen force. Cosmos, <laughs> yes. That, I, I call it a nudge and I put my elbow <laughs> like that. That's like, similarly. <laughs> hit, hit Karen over the head. Uh, there were so many indicators for me to, to stop doing that and to, to really go within and try to figure out who I was. I was lost. I had no idea who I was, what I wanted. It was just the, the grind of corporate America and trying to, you know, get the next bonus check or you know, get to the next level of success in business in the mortgage industry. And it just wasn't fun. It was very, left me very empty and it was unfulfilling. And so I, I filed bankruptcy. I was completely destroyed by his embezzling. I had to close down the business and I found myself very humbly with, without work. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I was so lost And I was out in my horse corral one day up in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, where I lived in a little town called Bailey. And I was mucking stalls, cleaning out the horse stalls. And people who don't know what mucking means. Yes, that's that's the that's the wrong end of a shovel, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I had this epiphany i had this um a spiritual download if you will and all of a sudden the light bulbs just went off around me and i suddenly realized that i was pretty good at scooping things and i loved animals and how many people didn't like to do that so i decided to become the corral gal and I put a little ad in the little throwaway paper, and I would go around and scoop poop for a living. Well, I'm sure there was lots of opportunities for business. <laughs> <laughs> talk uh, about a uh, talk about humbly uh, trying to find yourself. It was, uh, but you know what? I loved it. 
I uh, it was backbreaking. Don't get me wrong, backbreaking. But I absolutely loved being around the animals and being outside and being with them and communing with them again. And guess what started percolating back up again? All of, all of those abilities started coming back because I was no longer focused on all the drama of the mortgage industry. I was now focused on the animals and just being with them and trying to figure out what what is in here and where should I go? What should I do? So um, that's where it all started. And then, of course, you know, how do you get from uh, the corral gal to you know, what I was doing later on and being a police officer, I started volunteering for the local animal control facility in Bailey, which was under the umbrella of the sheriff's department. I feel another cosmic nudge coming up here. (laughs) I had never, ever been involved with any kind of civil service before. I had never had anything to do with, um, you know, a county type situation like that but i started riding along with the animal control officers loved it helping animals my heart just filled with joy to go rescue them out of bad situations or get them off the roadway or you know just being there as my job to help the animals volunteer job i was a volunteer and then i started riding along with the deputies who were also part of you know the same organization and I just felt a calling. I felt like this is what I needed to do. I wanted to give something back to my community and to the human uh, element and make something out of myself as a civil servant. So I... You you did very well. I read in your bio, you took the course and you graduated number one in your class or unit. I did. uh, Pretty shocking because there were only four women in the entire class and I was number one in upon graduation. The whole class. I know. Crazy. Wow. How did I do of- that? <laughs> I even have to go back and like check my certificates. Like, did I really do that? I really did that. Well, so, you're, really, um, you're really good at what you were doing. You had an edge, I'm sure, from above. But anyway, that's, yep. congratulations on Thank that. You. that extremely Thank difficult. you. Extremely difficult. Four women and with all those big, tough deputies or sheriff uh, deputies, uh, uh, I just admire that. Good, good for you. So you're you're out riding around. You're now you know on the. Uh, uh, you're getting a regular paycheck. You got a badge on. You're wearing a gun, maybe. So tell us how you went from there to the next stage in your life. So of course, you know every um, law enforcement officer out there. If you're very good and paying attention to your surroundings, you become very intuitive. They won't call it intuition. I'll call it gut feelings. You yeah. know, I have friends who are policemen. Yeah. They tell me how they just drive in circles until they pick up, you know, yep. a gut feeling. And then, oh, yep. right in front of them is the bad guy in the car. They find them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's bureaucracy. It was, say it's intuition. But anyway, you found that it is. It is. It's, wow. That's fantastic. Yep, it's intuition. They and they would, you know, any good officer has very highly tuned in um, senses. And you have police, you have to senses just for political reasons or police senses or whatever. <laughs> you and I can call them intuition or clairvoyance, but that's beside the right. point. Clairsentience, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Oh, so I'm really trying to be a very good police officer, and in doing so. I was also practicing animal communication on the side with my pets at home. So I had an interest in animal communication because I loved animals. I just wanted to understand them on a higher level. And I felt like, you know, I could do this as a kid, you know, where did that go? And it's, I started remembering, I call it a spiritual awakening, but I remembered that I could do this and I had to get all the adult stuff out of my head because all that programming tells you that's crazy. You can't do that. You know, people think you're nuts, you know, just all of that ego stuff. I had to, I had to get past all that, which was not easy and uh, retrain my brain because I was in mortgage, which is all, you know, left brain percentages, interest rates, you know, amortization charts, loan amounts, you know, down payments. It's all, 
financial stuff. The the animal communication and the spiritual awakening was, you know, I guess a different part of your brain or right side, I guess they call the creative side. So it was all about retraining my brain and just being more open to that ability that was percolating up from childhood. And then craziness set in when I started to receive messages from animals on crime scenes. Wow. Unprovoked. I wasn't trying. It just started happening. And that's what set sent me over the edge. It just blew me away. And I thought, whoa, if if animals on a crime scene can tell me where the who the aggressor was or what actually happened, what else can they tell me? And I was hooked. And then I just dove in. Let's expand on that because I can hear all my people listening, all my audience saying, how did she do that? Were the crickets talking to her? Was there a bunny <laughs> rabbit? How about what was there a bird in the tree? Was there but you're talking about the animals in the house, perhaps, the pets? Uh, and I well, go ahead, explain. How did that happen? Okay, so the first experience I had, I again very unprovoked, and I've I've shared this um story in my books as well. I documented this because it's it's unbelievable. Even to me when I tell the story again, I think, man, that sounds really crazy, but it's what what happened. So um, I was on a call. There was a rollover uh, vehicle and the suspect uh, had fled on foot. It was, he was thought to be a felon with a warrant, armed and dangerous. Oh gosh. We arrive on scene uh, at night, summertime, pitch black, 8,000 feet in the Rocky Mountains. There's no streetlights. You know, it's just whatever ambient light there is. And uh, I was told by my sergeant to stay on perimeter. Perimeter is where they stuck me all the time because I was new. I was a rookie. And they didn't want me to screw anything up. So they just They don't want you shooting anybody. (laughs) Shooting any shadows in the darkness or something. Okay. So there you are. You're standing there. I think I I know what you're going to say next. There you are. Have you got your gun in your hand, by the way? You know? Oh, yeah. So there I am. There's scary time. Okay. What happened? Stuck on perimeter, sitting in my patrol car going, okay. Uh, They they all left. They went to my left um, to go look for a suspect. And so I'm in this open field, kind of like a sitting duck in my patrol car. And I thought, you know, this really isn't good because... The lights are on, you're wide open, yeah. you're exposed, yeah. So there I am. So I got out of the vehicle and it was, um, again, summertime, so it was warm out. And as I'm sitting there, I'm by myself, I'm getting more and more nervous. And I'm thinking, I'm, you know, where is this guy? How am I going to find him? You know, what if he's here? Oh my gosh, what do I do if I find him? And just as I had these random thoughts in my head, a herd of deer... Uh, that were going through this field, um, the the deer popped up its head and made eye contact with me. It wasn't afraid. It knew I wasn't, you know, going to hurt it or anything. And this thought entered my head of logs over by the logs. Right over there. To my right. And the deer were all looking to my right, where all the police activity was to the left. So here I am in the pitch blackness. I I heard this voice in my head. It was my voice, but it wasn't my thought. I wasn't thinking logs. I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if I find this guy? That's what I was thinking. And and now you found him, right? Right. So I sneak around. I draw my weapon. And somewhere I found this commanding voice to order the suspect to come out with his hands up. And there... These two little hands pop up. Wow. So, yeah. Back in the I, car, in handcuffs now, yeah. right? You got it. So that, that yeah. was crazy because where did that come from? I mean, I, I thought about it and I questioned it so many times. Like, how did that happen? How is that even possible? But remember, I was practicing animal communication on the side. Well, first of all, I think you had a question in your mind. Where is he? And right. the and the herd of, of deer came by and answered the question for you. 
through some divine communication and then your higher self was talking to you or something and you went over and in a commanding voice wow you know come on out holy moly uh so i i could from my experience i could see several different amazing talents you have uh, first of all the courage for you to do that you know like you're just kind of breezing by that karen but that uh, armed and dangerous suspect in the dark hiding behind logs and you walk up to him and say come on out so as i said did you, you put handcuffs on and put him in the car so yeah i i, I cuffed him i got him cuffed and on the you know on the ground and cuffed and i radioed to my you know the radio is right here I That's radioed, where I go. what you know, did I, all those what did those colleagues those other officers say when they found out karen cuffed <laughs> the guy you call right. it because the language right so remember <laughs> i'm the only female officer there you got to remember i can a, hardly wait to what happened you know this is a boys is, club yeah. so they of course they come racing back over lights and sirens and everybody's like you know, just pumping, adrenaline is pumping. And, you know, I've got the situation under control and my heart was beating out of my chest. I mean, you can just sure. imagine how much adrenaline there is going on. And uh, once he was in the patrol car, you know, everybody's patting me on the back. Hey, Anderson, great job. How'd you find him? How'd you know where he was? <laughs> you didn't dare say I heard a deer came by and one of them waved at me. <laughs> no, that's right. Yes. Throw away the key. <laughs> okay. So that is an amazing story. Uh, not only did the deer, you know, uh, what would you call it? Bird dog where he was or give you the heads up intuitively. Uh, you must, your popularity down at the precinct or the sheriff's office was went through the roof the next day. Oh, I kind of got off perimeter after that call. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I have, I always wanted to be a policeman and I have friends and stuff. Uh, I, I'm just going to back up and say your courage to go and do that. You know, something was inside of you was also motivating you, that spirit within kind of thing. Uh, because maybe somebody else would have, when the deer said something, you might have got on the radio and said, hey, I think he's over here. But instead, uh, you just went through naturally through the instinctively, I guess I, I can call it that through the motions, your training took over, whatever. But your intuition was still cooking. I like it. The voice that came down, that is divine. That's connection to the high, uh, high dimensions or high self. So you obviously have, have more than simple communication with animals. You're you're like tuned in, and uh, you know you you've got a you've got several books out. The Pet I Can't Forget, uh, Hear All Creatures, I like the title, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, well, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. The Douglas James Cockrell website is where you can learn much more about this amazing man and his journey through a lifetime of spiritual prophecy. The book Secrets of Life answers questions everyone has about the physical versus the spiritual world, why you are here in the world right now, karma, psychic abilities, reincarnation, prayer, and much more about universal laws. This book is essential for those who really desire to follow the path of the divine to soul perfection. Douglas has been chosen to provide you with a keen insight into the purpose of life's journey. Best-selling author Robert Appel says, the least you can expect from Dr. Cottrell's work is that it will change your life. Go to douglasjamescottrell.com and click on Shop for Secrets of Life and all of his books and learning materials. So just before the break, Karen, we were talking about this amazing experience you had where uh, here you are, a police officer, you're an, uh, a novice police officer, but you know, you're fully equipped, uh, you're trained and you're on perimeter, you arrest a bad guy that's reported to be armed and dangerous. You come back to the station and everybody's patting you on this back in this male-dominated police station. So I think uh, I think during the break you asked, what was I thinking? Uh, so how, how what were you thinking back then? How did you get from being a police officer and, and expanding into what you do now? You know, I, I think 
the whole part of it is I didn't think I didn't think about it. I didn't, I let go of the outcome and I just followed my heart. I went where I was drawn or where I felt pulled and I, I followed my passion and my passion was leading me to where I needed to be. And once I let go of the outcome, I just trusted. And that's had like a snowball effect in my entire life. There were a lot of bumps along the way. I mean, it was not an easy path, but I've never chosen easy. So I wasn't about to start, but it was it was so different than what I had been doing, but I loved it. I just couldn't get enough. And back then, this was the late 90s, there wasn't the resources we have now. And, you know, there was no social media. There was nothing back then. I just had to go into bookstores to try to figure out, you know, what was happening to me and how to sharpen my skills. I really had no clue what was happening. I knew something incredible was happening to me and it fascinated me. So I just tried to practice as much as I could, understand as much as possible, read as many books as I could, and that led me to developing my animal communication abilities. Well, you were on a spiritual path, obviously, right from when you were a child, because you came into the world with spiritual gifts and abilities like all, uh, can, I, can I say, the spiritual people in, in books from uh, the Bible to the Quran to the Gita to all these books talk about spiritual uh experiences and always a life of of uh, challenge difficulty and service so you're already you were on the path and you were alone as a child and you were of course the dark forces were trying to get get you off the path of having a marvelous spiritual ability to communicate with animals and uh i love this story about uh there you are on the job and uh, a deer says over there behind the logs is where the bad guy is you must have had other experiences along the way in your career as a police officer. But uh, if you tell us a little more, I, I, I'm sure the audience would love to hear a couple more of these amazing stories. Uh, not to brag you up, but I just think that's, it, you know, the amount of courage it took to do that. You know, the worst thing for a police officer is going down a dark alley at night, knowing there's a bad guy at the other end of the alley and he's got a gun. And as an officer, you still have to go. Most people wouldn't go down there. They, they, not me. Call nine one one. So that's to me having that uh, affinity with people who risk their lives like that for the public good. Obviously, in you, your spiritual wellness and and uh, capabilities were protecting you. But uh, where I want to go with this is, if you might have had a few more of those experiences, but somewhere along the line, you made the transition from being. Uh, an animal whisperer, I think is the term now put out there, horse whispers, uh, dog whisperer, something like that. That was before those terms come out. Here you were having these communications telepathically or or audibly or whatever. And uh, tell us a little bit how you, how, how, you didn't say much to the, to the sheriff or the deputies, I'm sure, but you, they must say, how did you know that? You know, and you say, well, see that little uh, kitty cat over there. He told me that the bad guy was behind a curtain or something like that. But how did you get through your career? How long were you a police officer? And how did you make the transition to being this amazing uh, self-employed person, author, counselor, and uh, lecturer? Uh, I My law enforcement career was not long. It was only about three years total. But when you work in a small department, you do everything there's no divisions there's no you know you don't hand it off to someone else to take it you know we had this saying you you catch them you clean them you had to take it all the way you know through the end into court or whatever you were doing with that particular case so it was a very condensed um, career and uh, I felt that I was being pulled toward animal communication so once again I followed that. I listened to that. And not to mention just that, but also I was getting older. I was already 36 when I entered the police academy. That's kind of, you know, pushing uh, the envelope. 
Yeah, it's pretty hard running so, down alleys and climbing over fences and stuff when you're like 40 years old or something. I think we yeah, can all relate to that. <laughs> so. I had about 25 pounds worth of gear on me oh, you know, between between the vest and, and all the other equipment that you have on the belt. And and uh, I was at 8,000 feet in, in the Rocky Mountains. The suspects were getting younger and I was, you know, pushing 40. And I thought, you know, this, I got to think about where my heart is and what do I want to do? If it weren't for law enforcement, I don't know that my abilities would have progressed as fast as they did. But I started following my true passion, which was the animals. And that was my decision to leave law enforcement and to go full time into animal communication. And this is all, I share all of these stories in my book. So it, it wasn't always easy during that time there was a lot of uh, pushback from loved ones and i wanted to talk about that a little bit with you because else which book were you referring to um hero creatures and the amazing afterlife of animals have this um pathway that i took and all the pushback i got especially yeah. from those the closest to me they try to talk me out of it left and right that, you know, what are you doing? You're crazy enough to be a cop and now you're going to go talk to dead animals. You know, what the heck is the matter with you? What about the pension and the holidays and the security? And you're exactly. saying, this is my spiritual path. Like all spiritual masters, spiritual people, there comes that point, Karen, myself as well, where you just have this inner knowing that this is what you should do. And look at all the help you're doing now. I mean, I know. I know that's the that's the the silver lining of it. So I had to disregard everybody and basic yeah, I had to just follow my heart and it was very, very lonely journey. There were times when I felt like I was, you know, just on my own, constantly sailing against the wind and hitting massive waves, but I just kept going. I don't know the drive or where that came from, but I just was on this course and I was going. And yeah. no one was going to stop me. I didn't. I don't care what they said. I've been called every name in the book. And, you know, to go into the, the realm of intuitive work and energy work and animal communication, you know, you deal with a lot of people that, first of all, they don't believe in it or they, they think that you're just trying to scam them. And I come from the evidential background, being a police officer. So I became what I termed an evidential medium. Meaning I own, my goal was to get evidential messages that could only be validated and verified by my client so that I could literally prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was definitely communicating with their loved one. So that was my, my goal. And my dream was to be the best that I could be in this evidential mediumship. Now it's a term, it's out there, but I was doing this so long ago that I just, I didn't want to give general information like, oh, your dog or your cat loves you and they miss you and they had a good you're, life. You're too, you're too smart for that. I have a motto, basically, I felt the same and come across it. My motto is faith is built upon belief and belief is built upon evidence. And like you, when I was doing stuff for people back in the 70s, I would, you know, uh, say, go to the doctor and find out what I said was true or whatever, whatever was there was, you know, look for the truth. Don't believe me, ver verify it. And that is a mark of, of you being in harmony with your high self. You were looking for the evidence so that in your mind, in your good heart, in your consciousness, there was no doubt. There was no like flowery, you know, like making stuff, you know, this was it. This is the facts. And you had the evidence again, because you're you know, your your background as a police officer, perhaps, or as also going back to your accounting days, well, you know, being let's find out those things, your path was sort of guided from above. And I'm not trying to tell your story here. I'm, I'm suggesting that you and I and everybody else who's intuitive has had similar things for the people who don't know they're in the darkness. But that challenge that you met, and you didn't stop, I compliment you again, because with the same courage, you persevered. The good book says a uh, prophet is never honored in their own land, nor are they honored by their own family. And that's a test to be a prophet. So you're on the way of being a prophet. You know, Ooh, uh, it's got it, goosebumps on that one. 
yeah, well, that's me working. I'm being clairvoyant now. <laughs> or I'm being intuitive is a better, easier word to say it. So you've got this word. I love that term, uh, evidential, uh, you know, what did you call it? Uh, communication or reading? So what did evidential you mediumship. Mediumship. I would drop the mediumship because you're more clairvoyant. Okay. There's not somebody between you and the animals. They're coming. No. So that's more clairvoyant. That's a higher level of communication. If I might give you or offer that to you. Oh, sure. We'll be right back after this. Oh. Oh, what's up? I'm just not sure what to do with my health issues. And I keep having this recurring scary dream. What's that about? And I I just don't know if my instincts are right about my business ideas or, or anything right now. Maybe it's all past life issues. Have you thought about a phone consultation with Dr. Cottrell? A 45-minute chat should help you out. It's not a deep trance meditation, and you'll find it's just as helpful. Plus, with COVID going on, they're discounted from $375 to just $275. $100 off. Great idea. I love talking to him, like chatting with a long-lost friend. He's like tapped into a ton of wisdom, loads of spiritual insight, and he's on point. Oh. Now what? I can't find his number. Seriously? In this day and age? Ready? Mm-hmm. 519-471-1110. Call from anywhere in the country. If you need more info, I found his website too. It's douglasjamescottrellstore.com. Today's guest is Karen Anderson. Tell us a little bit at this point, how people, how can people get a hold of you right now? Well, right now, um, the easiest way to get me is through my website, which is simply my name, karenanderson.net. And although I am no longer conducting private consultations, I retired from that several years ago to focus on coaching, animal communication, and writing. I have uh, several hand-selected, very gifted animal communicators that I refer all of my clients to. So you can reach out to me for recommendations on on a session. And uh, I, I don't have a podcast, but it's so funny that you have mentioned that because I've been kicking that around in my head for a while now. So I'm getting messages from above that maybe that's in the future. Yeah. But, some, um, some people like me who live in the future all the time, every day, <laughs> maybe, maybe you just kind of like, you know, seeing things for you out there as well. So people can go to uh, Karen Anderson. Would you spell Anderson for people just to make sure? Dot net. Karen Anderson. Right. It's A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N dot net. And, um, of course, all of my books are on Amazon worldwide. Uh, Two of them are on Audible. And The Pet I Can't Forget, which is my latest release, is uh, I'm very proud of this book. It's a compilation of so many heartwarming and insightful stories. If you have recently lost a pet or if you have an elderly pet that is maybe in its golden years, uh, this book will help you understand how to uh, find more signs, to receive more signs, raise your vibration, to be open to receiving signs, how signs are sent from the afterlife. It's all about signs and that our loved ones never leave us. They're always with us, especially during our, our darkest times. And our pets love us more than anything. And that love has to be somewhere. It doesn't just end when the physical body and so th- that book, The Pet I Can't Forget, is all about these incredible and amazing stories. Plus, there are afterlife sessions that I conducted where you can actually hear some of the life-changing messages I received during actual afterlife communication. How about you give us one of those stories right now, just to wet well, everybody Yes, and I do want to share one very powerful story for you. This is in my book, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals. And I just want to share it because it, it truly shows the um, the how our, how much our animals love us to the point of more so than they care about themselves at a certain degree. So um, I had all my sessions were done over the phone. We didn't have Zoom back then. I I was all always on the phone. 
And my client had called in and she was very distraught because she had recently lost her beloved cat. Now this cat she had found as a stray. It came into her life when she was really sad and lonely and they became very, very close companions. It was kind of an outdoor indoor cat. And one day she was on her way to work. She was in a hurry. She was late for a meeting. So she backed out of the garage and she inadvertently Uh hit the cat. Now the cat survived. So, um, however, later it succumbed to its injuries from that incident. So of course she was riddled with guilt and overwhelmed by grief and feeling responsible that she had killed her cat. And so she contacted me for an afterlife communication. So I opened up the session with the cat. I only used a photo. That was my connection. Uh That's like having their cell phone number. I dial them up. I dial up their energy through their photo. And, um, it's a process. It's just kind of, I like seeing their faces. It, it lets me focus on them more. It lets me focus on their energy if I can see a picture of them. So uh, the cat came through very upbeat and happy and balanced and beautiful and so much love for his mom. And I'm sharing all this information. I call you moms and dads, not owners, because if anyone owns anyone, they own our hearts. So I call you moms and dads. I love it. That's great. And um, we were sharing beautiful messages back and forth. Um, But during the session, this cat kept showing me. Now, remember, all I had was the cat's name, age, and I knew that it it had uh, recently passed. I didn't know anything else. This cat kept showing me, and not to be graphic, but it kept showing me an amputated leg. It wasn't gross or, you know icky or anything like that. But, you know, don't forget, I was a cop. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. So I kept seeing this amputated leg, but it was a human leg. And I thought, well, the cat must just be showing me that it it got this injury. And I didn't want to say anything because she was already so upset. I didn't want to talk about the cat's injury. So I I didn't tell her anything. Two two more times, this cat flashed that image at me. Like, Karen... I'm sending you this for a reason. So I have a rule, Douglas. Three times. Three times. Okay. (laughs) So I finally said very delicately, I said, I am so sorry. I don't mean to cause you any upset, but did your cat lose a leg? Was a leg amputated because of this accident? Total silence. And then she started sobbing. I mean, like <gasps> gasping, sobbing. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've really done it. I shouldn't have said anything. Why did I do that? However, when she could finally catch her breath, all she could say was, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I needed this. Thank you so much. And I thought, what? How would you want to hear that? She says, no, no. I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. She goes, no, 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 Karen. I need, this is, this is what I needed to hear. And and I said, well, did your cat lose a limb? And she says, no. Three months after the cat passed away, she was in a horrible car accident and she had her leg amputated. And during the recovery phase in the hospital bed, she felt the cat laying next to her phantom leg. Wow, fantastic. Now, I've had similar experiences, and I'm sorry I got ahead of you a little bit by saying, you know, uh, three times, but I had a very similar experience, and this is all about you and not me, but I likewise saw a man who had no legs, and I was giving uh, uh, some information about this man. And I was saying, well, he's got no legs to stand on. Uh, maybe he's feeling a little nervous. You know, I was making stuff up. And the lady turned out to be quite intuitive herself. And she waved her finger at me. She says, Douglas, you're not telling me everything you see. This man has no legs. He was in a train accident. And that was my lesson. 
And so you had this lesson, uh, and I've, I've learned I'll pass this on to you, Karen, it's because I like you so much. When I get in situations like that, I say, no, I'm going to tell you, I could be right, it could be wrong, but I'm going to tell you what I see. Yep. And I, I once had a businessman and I said something to him and I said, I have no idea what this means. And he says, I know exactly what that means. Uh-huh. Just like that. He says, thank you. And, and that was it. 15 minutes into the consultation, he had his answer and gone. So I'm passing that back on to you as, as being along the way of, of becoming a prophet is that uh, if you see strange things and you will, in order to in order to feel comfortable about it, you say, I could be right, it could be wrong. I teach this to students as well. And then I say, I have no idea what it means, but this is what I see. You made that lady's heart jump because she knew exactly that you were tuning into that animal and everything you were saying was the gospel. I applaud you. And you did have sooner or later, you know, you kind of, after the third little nudge, you did, you did say it. You didn't hold it. You didn't let it go back or go by. I still to this day get that same feeling that I got when I delivered that message because I could feel her move from that deep place of darkness to where she was really understanding that her cat was there with her in spirit and she wasn't alone and he was there by her side during her recovery and that it was more concerned about her than it was about what she had done to him. Cause remember the whole thing was she felt guilty for causing his death. That never came up. He never mentioned it. All he talked about was his concern for her. It's a beautiful story and it's powerful because the things that keep us up at night of things we could have done or should have done for our pets, or why didn't I take them in sooner, or why didn't I give them that medicine, or why didn't I take them to a specialist, or I waited too long, or I didn't wait long enough. It's never an issue with our animals. Those are human thoughts. Those are not in our companions' minds. It, It doesn't serve them, so it doesn't even come up. They are so much better at this than we are as far as what really matters. You know, we stress about things that don't matter. And the animals bring us right back down to what's so important. And it sounds so cliche and corny, but it's the love that you shared with them. That's what's important. That's what they always come back to. And that's what matters. So you could have had something to do with their final moments unintentionally and they don't ever see it that way they don't judge us judging is a human trait not an animal trait they don't blame us blame is a human trait not an animal trait we don't have to ask their forgiveness you ask an animal what is forgiveness and they'll kind of look at you like i forgiveness uh that's a human thing now, now, again, because you talk to the animals, you're telling us what they think or feel or or, or what their thoughts are. So it's not like uh, intellectual conjecture here. You're telling us, uh, the animals, this is what they say, like, what are you talking about? Forgiveness. Uh, that was yesterday, wasn't it? Hey, <laughs> what's in my bowl today? You know, <laughs> I'm sniffing the door. What's out there? I want to go out today. Never yeah. mind it pouring rain and snowing yesterday it looks kind of neat how we go out there today so you're telling us this from the from the animal's perspective so people should pay attention now do they come back in other lives i'm asking a rhetorical question do they come back in, uh, do they reincarnate back in in our lives some do some don't um and it's it's really hard to prove and of course me being evidential i always look for the proof so the proof comes through your heart and how you feel the connection with that animal returning, you'll know there will be no doubt in your mind. You'll have a sense of feeling um, a download or an impression. You will know when your companion comes back to you because it'll be an undeniable thing that only you can prove. You know, I might be able to validate a few things like, you know, they're showing me this, or they're saying that they used to do this or whatever they want to tell me, but only you 
know what's in your heart and what you're feeling. And if that is the soul being recognized by your higher self, your souls will recognize each other, even if the exterior is different. Makes sense. Uh, I'm thinking of some stories clients would tell me. A lady had a cat. The cat was climbing up the curtains all the time, across the curtain rod, up on the bookshelf. And the lady said to me, you know, if I didn't know better, I'd swear that cat was a monkey. And I said, monkey, I wonder if he was a monkey in his past life. On another occasion, somebody was talking about a dog and they said, oh, he looks like a bear. He walks like a bear. Look at look at him. You know, he's a large dog. It doesn't he look like a bear. And everybody's going, yeah, he looks like a bear. Well, maybe in another life, he was a bear. And, it, and people are seeing this. They're intuitively uh, looking at this or getting the impressions, but they they haven't put it together that what they're really seeing is the energy from a previous time. So animals can come back from their own incarnations, I guess, and be a monkey one time and a cat the next, or be an elephant one time and a mouse the next. I don't know. <laughs> you know, the idea that people come back in your life and some do and some don't, I guess the, some, the, the ones that don't move on, they, are, they have other things to do. I have sort of an understanding of a consciousness in the animal kingdom. What do you think about that? Where? Yeah, I, I truly believe that. And my belief is, Douglas, if it's in the highest and best for that particular soul's growth to reincarnate as, you know, come back again as a cat, a dog or whatever they want to come back as, that that is possible. I don't think there's a rule book. I don't think there's someone standing there with a checklist and saying, oh, you're a dog. You can only come back as a dog or you're a cat or, you, you know, you can only be a cat. You're a human. You can only be a human. I think it's, you know way more in depth than that and if it's in the highest and best for your soul's progression in the spiritual sense to expand and evolve and have those experiences who's to say you can't come back as something else or a different species i'm certainly not going to put my name down on something that says that can never happen no way no way i never say never and i and i never say always because there there's you can't lock yourself in like that you just there's so much out there we don't even know you know i've only scratched the tip of the iceberg with my experiences and i've been doing this for 26 years and i still feel like i have so much more to learn and there's so much wisdom that the animals can share with us mostly about how to be a better human i love that the animals teach us well, how fair. to be how to be better humans you know, they they have taught me so much about life and the afterlife. They're, they're so more accepting of their eventual passing out of physical form into spirit form than we are. They have this sense or knowing that the soul continues that most humans fear. And animals seem to be very accepting of this. Now, don't get me wrong. I've never met an animal that has wanted to die. And, you know, there's a very strong will to survive. And those of us that have had animals that we've cared for, you'll know that they'll kind of fight to the last breath. They'll do everything that they can. But that's mother nature, instinct, evolution. That's all those things rolled into one. But they truly have an acceptance of, their progression as a physical and spiritual being that I think we have a lot to learn from them. I know there's uh, therapy pets or pets or people who love their animals more than themselves. There's this throughout history, animals have always been, you know, associated with the, the clan, the tribe in the cave, you know, <laughs> around the campfire back in the days. Uh, animals have always had this special relationship with us. And no matter what, some people like uh, reptiles and some people like birds, and it, it's a preference for the person. But animals always had this integrated relationship with us. Give us another story. We have about another 10 minutes or so left. Tell us another wonderful story that you were going to mention earlier about pets and how they can help us along the way. Oh, well, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that happens to us when we lose a beloved companion is, and this has happened to me, I speak from experiences, 
you know, grief can overwhelm us and it can stagnate us and keep us in a very dark place. If we allow it, these are choices we have to make. You know, grief is an action. It's movement. We're not meant to stay there. It's a temporary place. And uh, our animals can show us that, you know, it's part of loving someone and having to say goodbye. It's part of our journey, but we're not supposed to stay there indefinitely. We're supposed to experience that because loss is part of your journey with your companion. And it's supposed to hurt. You love something that deeply. Yes, it's going to hurt when they're no longer physically there with you. But, but they do come back, right? I mean, they do. Dog coming back on that lady in the hospital and she could feel him on the bed. I've had other people talk to me. They could feel like their kitty cat walking across their bed. Yes. Yes. And the, my new book, The Pet I Can't Forget, is full of stories about people having experiences just like that. Uh, some have found, you know, very unusual objects placed in like right in their pathway or right where they were going to step or right where they were going to walk. There's one story in the book where um, the um, the mom, the cat's mom was just picking up the cremated remains and very distraught and was asking for some kind of sign or just let me know that you're okay. She walks out to her car and there's a giant feather, like six inch long feather plastered to the side of her tire. Not, wow. not where she drove over it, but on the side, a six inch long feather. It's like, what, how did that get there? Incredible signs, you know, finding a lot of um, the stories will share what I call sky signs where you will ask for a sign and you will look up and you see a rainbow or you see a cloud formation in the shape of your beloved companion. Or maybe you see a, a lot of bird messengers. Birds are messengers of spirit. They love to come in and let you know that your loved one is near. So many people have experienced that along with dream visitations where you have this incredibly realistic dream where you wake up expecting to see your companion right there because you felt them. You, you could feel their fur or feathers or whoever you had, whoever your loved one was. And the, it was so real. That's because it is real. It's a real visitation. And that's one of the most common ways that they come to us because our minds are in a relaxed state and we're more open to receiving that visitation than when we're in our cluttery, busy, noisy, conscious, alert state. I have a lot of people write to me saying, I haven't received a sign. I'm heartbroken. Why hasn't, why haven't I gotten a sign? And I write about this too, that some animals don't necessarily feel the need to send a sign, especially the ones that are around us the most. They're with us 24 seven or you know, thereabouts. There's no clocks on in the afterlife, yeah. but on the other side, that's right. Uh, they don't feel the need to gather up a bunch of energy to send a sign because they're around you all the time and you become desensitized to their presence because it merges with yours and it's so familiar, you just don't pick up on it. You don't sense it, you don't feel it. What do you think of this idea? You lose a pet, you grieve, time goes by, you're never gonna have another dog or cat like, you know, pu like puppy. And then all of a sudden you have a dream and there's puppy, but now a younger, whatever puppy. And then, you know, let's say your dog was white and now this is, this is a, a black dog in your dream and it looks just like your puppy dog, same thing, whatever, looking at you, you know, wagon looking at you. And then somewhere somebody comes up and says, look at this wonderful puppy. He's looking for a home. And you look at it. That's the one in my dream. Oh, yes. You think that's a little sign from the first one to say, I'm coming back? Oh, yes. They will often do that. They'll send somebody new into your life. And my my best recommendation is pay attention 
to what's happening around you because there are signs. Grief can be like a heavy blanket, so you can miss them if you are deeply grieving. And I'm one of the worst. When I'm grieving, I'm like, I go down the rabbit hole and it's like, leave me alone. I just want to be in this little rabbit hole and don't talk to me. Don't look at me. I just want to be in pain. Leave me alone. But if you start paying attention to all the signs and start connecting the dots to all the unusual things that are happening around you, uh, these little, we call them coincidences. They're not. This is synchronicities going, hey, pay attention. I'm with you. I'm around you. It could be a song. It could be a billboard. It could be the license plate in front of you. It could be something written on someone's shirt. I mean, there's so many ways that our loved ones send these spirit messages. And if you just pay attention and if you don't discount them, then you will open a door to receive more messages. And this is what's so important. Even if you think you're not receiving them, I'll bet you anything you are. I'll bet you anything you're getting messages, but for whatever reason, the grief or the sadness or whatever, it's blocking you. But I guarantee you there are signs and messages there. Even this one, if you have a sudden overwhelming surge of emotion thinking about your companion, you may think that's you just missing your companion. It's not. What happens is you're thinking about your companion. It draws them in like a moth to the flame. Your higher self, your soul recognizes their presence. And there's this total overwhelming rush of emotions, uncontrollable emotions that you think is just you thinking about them. It's not. It's your souls recognizing each other going, hey, I'm here. Yeah, I know you're here. I just felt you. And then that upwelling of emotions that'll strike you at the strangest time, like driving down the road or in the grocery store or when you least expect it. Boom. That's a sign. That's your body having a physical reaction to the presence of your loved one. So I guarantee you, you're getting signs and messages. You just don't realize it or you want to discount it because it hurts too much. That's another thing. We put up protective shields to stop ourselves from feeling more pain because it hurts. It's horrible. So I, I'm almost, I can't say always, but almost all the time they do send us signs. We just have to know what to look for and thank them. Be sure you say, thank you. I got that. Thank you. I felt that. Thank you. I saw that and ask for more. Well said. Well said. I know people in my uh, my world have had similar experiences with their pets. And they say, oh, I always know when puppies are around, I, he had a peculiar smell about him, or mm -hmm. I could hear a little bell tinkle. That was the bell they had on their collar. And they have these signs. So well said to keep people uh, abreast of that. The animals... They, they drop in on you, they, they, you know, and again, when you're shopping or driving a car, you're in kind of like a meditative state. You're you're not in your thinking state unless you're angry, of course. And so they're dropping in. So that's well said. I mean, uh, uh, they love us. They do come back. Uh, I've had my own dreams about animals that were going to come. We're going to come in my life. And it's happened. But before we end the show, I see that you have a nonprofit uh, sanctuary. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I would love to. So going back to childhood now, I I just rescued animals my whole life. And it was always a dream of mine to have an animal sanctuary. And I made that dream happen. And I am the CEO and founder of Painted Rain Ranch Animal Sanctuary. We are a, um, a nonprofit charitable organization. And what we do is we rescue the pet's nobody else wants the ones that are overlooked at the shelters because of their age or their health issues maybe their special needs uh, maybe they've just been abandoned strays and you know many are overlooked because they might have a, a missing limb or they might be blind or they might be diabetic or whatever i bring them here to our ranch I live in eastern Washington on 30 acres. It's beautiful green trees all around, rolling hills, open fields and pastures. 
and they live out the rest of their natural life here on the ranch with my husband and I, and we are passionate about giving these animals a second chance and a forever loving home. They'll never be adopted out. They stay here. This is their home. They're part of the family and they live a very happy and spoiled life here with us. And all the proceeds from my books and my online beginner's course for animal communication, the proceeds go to the nonprofit. So I have completely devoted myself and my life and my work to help the animals in need. Today's guest was Karen Anderson. Go to her website and you'll find several books that you can purchase and some are on Amazon. You can uh, donate or you can find out more about the Painted Rain Ranch Animal Sanctuary. KarenAnderson.net. It's been amazing uh, to have you on the show today, Karen. You've had an amazing career. You are a courageous woman. You are a saint in the making. Let me put it that this comes to my mind as I say that. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate this opportunity to share so much. You're very welcome. You've been listening to the Douglas James Cottrell Show. We'll be back next week with more light. And we will encourage you. Remember, the journey is just beginning. I'm your host, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell. Until next time, may God bless you with peace and prosperity. Take care, my friends. God bless. Thank you very much for listening to Wake Up. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. And we'd greatly appreciate your review of our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to let others know about the great content we're producing. For more about Dr. Douglas's self-development classes, books, and other related products, please visit his website, douglasjamescartrell.com. Until next time, we wish you all of God's blessings, health, wealth, and peace of mind.